Before we dive into this podcast, I want to take a moment to guide you through some breath work. Now, the reason I want to start with this is that breath work has a powerful ability to allow us to have clarity of thought and to allow our nervous systems to go into a state of relaxation, which will allow us to focus better on what we're taking in from our environment. So start with me here. I want you to take a deep breath through your nose and then another deep breath through your nose while holding that. And then slowly exhale through your mouth. Let's do that again. So two deep inhales through your nose. Slow exhale through your mouth. One last time, two, two deep inhales through your nose. One slow exhale through your mouth. Thank you for joining this in breathwork practice, and I hope you enjoy the podcast. Welcome to Rewiring Health. This podcast is for those of you who have an eating disorder, chronic pain, or both. In this channel, we'll dive deep into inspirational stories of those who have healed from both and also get into the mind-body connection and how we can heal the mind through the body and also heal the body through the mind. Come and join me on this journey. Hello and welcome to another episode of Rewiring Health. I am so excited to be joined by Joelle. Joelle is a well-known psychotherapist, military uh, military psychology, and PTSD expert. Her passion is helping those in need find empowerment by discovering how to be their most true and successful selves by developing self-discovery and post-traumatic growth. As a psychotherapist, she uses reflective listening, strategic inquiry, and encouragement to provide feedback and interaction that allows clients to make informed, healthy, and compassionate decisions. Her career highlights include being a guest speaker on ABC's 60 Minutes, Beyond the Headlines, authoring a TED Ed uh, video on PTSD, and several Outstanding Achievement Awards for Top Female Executive. So thank you so much, Joelle, for joining me today. I'm so glad that you could be on this podcast and I'm so excited to get into what we're going to get into because I think you can provide so much value to my audience, um, with, especially with women with eating disorders. So thank you. Thanks, Kelly, for having so, me. I'm excited. Oh, absolutely. Yes. <laughs> and so I want to just start out because um, <clears throat> with trauma, I think we hear trauma a lot and, you know, with a lot of aspects, but could you just start out by explaining like, what is trauma? Like how, how does that impact people and, and where does it occur? Yeah, I, it's such a good question. And, and it's, I think a moving target as far as an answer goes these days, right? So for me with, with the way I conceptualize trauma is trauma is in the eyes of the beholder, right? So it if it's traumatic for somebody, who's having a conversation with me, then it's trauma. And mm-hmm. and it doesn't mean that it's going to be something that I would consider being traumatic, right? So I think it's very individualized. And then traditionally in psychology, we looked at what we would say big T 
trauma versus little t trauma and and really what that meant was big t trauma being something more catastrophic horrific that happened to me um a car accident sexual assault um some, something that's very personalized where i'm experiencing it first person little t trauma looking more at something that i witnessed right watching um you know, a, a horrific event. And so we, we really looked at trauma from this lens of horror and being terrified. And that's shifted over the years. Now we, we look at trauma maybe from this micro macro component, you know, my, micro trauma really being these little pieces that gnaw at you. And I, I always like think about something that just keeps poking, right? So it could be uh, growing up in a home with, um, uh, narcissistic parents, right, or or being yelled at constantly, um, witnessing things on the job. Uh, we see it a lot with first responders, with ICU nurses, where there's um, this ongoing level of secondary trauma, right, or witnessed trauma. Um, and as single incidents, they may not register, but our body and our, our subconscious is definitely holding on to it. Macro trauma being more of that traditional, you know, a witnessed or experienced event that was catastrophic, horrific, um, and, and really um, in, intense on all levels, right? Mind, body, spirit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, and I'm, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, and say, so I love how you differentiate between those two, because I think it's, it's so common for many people to think like, I didn't have this catastrophic event in my life. Like, you know, why am I experiencing what I'm experiencing? And then they kind of downplay it. But I think it's so important. Like what you brought up is that there are so many experiences in our life that can contribute to that. That's not that like, this was the event that did it. Yeah. So I love that you brought that up. Is there a difference like as far as how we process trauma when people have like many micro traumas versus like a macro trauma, like when they have that event versus the the small little things that accumulate throughout their life. Yeah, there's a lot of overlap. And so there, I think there's more commonality than there are differences. One of the differences is when there's an event, right? Something horrific happens. It typically has a beginning, a middle and an end, and it's somewhat isolated. You know, if you think of, um, again, you know, sexual assault or a DV incident, a car accident, um, you know, even with, with some veteran experiences, right, or military experiences, there's a beginning, a middle, and an end to, to this very big event, right? And it shapes who I am and my worldview. I have, you know, a physical response, an emotional response, or cognitive response, right, and a body response to it. And when we look at, like, micro, trauma or these little, little or T type traumas, um, they don't necessarily have a beginning and a middle and an end to it. They, they're these, they feel like these one-offs. Oh, I got yelled at again. Oh, well, you know, now my friends won't talk to me. Oh, now I'm being bullied at school. Oh, now I'm an adult and I had, you know, a really terrible relationship that I'm trying to get out of. No, my, my, I lost my pet, right? There's these little things that we don't really log as being trauma, they stack up. So I think about it as Legos, right? You know, you, you dump them all out and you can constantly build and rebuild, but a red one looks like it's red and blue looks like it's blue and green looks like, like they don't actually change. And so, you know, 
we can make these really sound structures with it. And so when we think about trauma from that perspective, right, we have this really solid traumatic foundation from all of these little pieces that we've put together. And it absolutely impacts us emotionally, physically, psychologically. Um, Right. And then and then that's that spiritual part of who am I in the world? So for me, that's how I define that that spirit piece of my ethos or my my what makes me me. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that's I love that analogy, especially the Legos. Like I can think back, um, you know, kind of disclosing my eating disorder. I was like, you know, I had a good childhood. I'm like, why? Why did I experience this? And I think for me, I, I thought for many years, like trauma, I didn't have a big event or, you know, something catastrophic. And then, you know, the more I learned about trauma, I was like, wow, that is kind of the environment I grew up in and contributed to things. And it wasn't like that bad environment that you would typically see, but I can definitely look back and see how many little traumas contributed to my eating disorder. For sure. So I, I love that you, you're bringing that up because I think a lot of people can relate to that. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I, I just to add to that too, mm -hmm. where, um, you know, some of it is, is, you know, parents are not perfect. Right. And so good parents, parents who have the best intention, um, mm -hmm you know, don't necessarily realize some of the stuff that they're passing on, right? And so, you know, we don't, we don't log that as being traumatic, especially if, if a child grows up in a, in a home where they have very high performing and high achieving parents, right? Sometimes that's self-imposed, right? And that, that can be traumatic. It, it can be, for me, it was, it was a, a bunch of different things, right? And also being trained as a ballerina. And I did that professionally for, I danced, over 22 years oh, wow. um, and so the the just the the little micro traumas of of what that looks like right yeah perfectionism oh absolutely and yeah and I, I love you to bring perfectionism up because I think that is such a a big thing as far as like how we interact with our world that we we're just never feel like we're enough and I'm sure you experienced that in ballet because I know that that culture kind of cultivates that um, are there any other things that um, you've seen as far as the the uh, contributing factors for eating disorders and trauma? Are there certain um, aspects of what someone may perceive that contributes more to like an eating disorder behavior? Yeah, so perfection is definitely perfectionism is definitely one. And if we think about it as a defense mechanism, right, it makes a lot of sense where depending on what the pressures are, that that I you know that I'm experiencing right um, it, it makes sense well if I'm perfect that mm -hmm. takes away some of the things that make me vulnerable make me unsafe make me hurt right mm -hmm. and so I move toward okay well I'm just going to try and be as perfect as I can right to to not have to experience the pain of what that what that my perceived failure looks like, right? So some of it is, it's the way that we control, right? We control food, we control our environment, we control relationships. And, and some of that comes from this idea of, I've got trauma and so now I'm trying to protect myself, right? And the only thing I can control is my own experience, right? Especially with food. And so I think trauma really impacts the control element. It protects the, protects the, or impacts, right? That protection mechanism, mm -hmm. right? It impacts yeah. the perfectionism. Um, it impacts our worldview, 
right? My relationship with, and, and you talked a bit, you know, in the beginning about women, right? So I'll just speak to, to women in general, right? It impacts the way that we see ourselves and our self-worth mm-hmm. and, and our relationship with our body and our image and our food intake and our exercise, you know, output like it, it, it's so insidious and sometimes it's so subconscious that we're not even aware of it, right? And I think um, that relates to men as well. I don't wanna exclude exclude men. Um, I think for men, it shows up a little bit differently for, mm-hmm. for um, how they experience food intake, social messaging, you know, their bodies, right? And, and their performance level. So. Uh, you know, there, I think there's there's a little bit of difference in um, in how we look at that. You know, from from gender science, but I think for the purpose of of the podcast, right? It it really kind of comes in as a whole, this whole totality of, you know, well, if I don't look like that, or if I don't fit into this, or if my body is not X, you know, then that's going to spin that up too. And and a lot of that comes from traumatic messaging. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I like the idea of identity, I think is so important with that because you, you have this identity that you feel like you have to maintain and then everything kind of centers around that. And I think it's, it is like the perspective of what you, how you view yourself and then how you fit in and everything and uh, everything in the world. It is, it's, a, it's a, that pressure. So, it, and that I would imagine in itself is, can be traumatic as well, right? If, if you're feeling like you have to meet that standard all the time. Right. And then what messages are you getting from your friends at school from, you know, now from social media, right? Um, back in my day, it was magazines. I'm just old. Um, but, you know, like, like how we, how we hold that, right? And then the standard and then what messaging are you getting at home, right? Or from a coach or from, from whatever, right? And so all of that, um impacts the way that we think about ourselves, right? Our blame, our shame, our guilt, and then how that impacts our relationship with food. And and what and then and, and the and and so what does that mean for me? Right. And so for most people that and so what means, well, I'll restrict, I'll 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 do all of these behaviors that we know are maladaptive, right? Um because that'll fix the problem in big air quotes, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. And it's, it's kind of like, you know, just going after the wrong answers for the solution or or wrong answers for the the problem rather. Yeah. hundred percent. It never fixes that, you know, even though it's kind of, again, that protective mechanism that this is how we cope with it. Um, If someone has like experienced trauma, but they're not really sure that they've gone through trauma, if it's not very clear cut, what are some things they could look for within themselves, either thoughts, emotions, behaviors, what are some other things that kind of present themselves as trauma? Yeah, so it's it to me, it comes in the forms of patterns, right? So, Mm -hmm. so what are negative patterns that that you as as a human identify with within yourself within your thinking you know is there a lot of negative self-talk i'll never do this um i can't do that it's this very like all or nothing kinds of messaging right that we tell ourselves oh you're stupid oh you made this mistake oh you're never going to be good enough oh you're not pretty or whatever that looks like for people right it's that that negative self-talk that 
that starts to become, you know, like I said, it's pokey, right? It's just, it's mm -hmm. always there and it's always talking and it feel it mm -hmm. feels so extreme. Um, mm -hmm. So th recognizing that and, and the skill that I love to challenge that is, is doing some journaling work is really helpful. Um, mm -hmm. But a lot of times it's identifying, well, who's, who is it true? Like, okay, prove it. Prove yeah. that that's true. Whose voice is talking? And sometimes people will say, oh, well, that was me at, I'm just making up a story, right? That was me mm -hmm. at 12 when I was doing this thing and I had this teacher. You're like, ah, okay. Mm -hmm. there, there, There's some magic there as far as that was really traumatic. And it's mm -hmm. shaping how you as an adult are thinking about yourself right now, mm -hmm. right? Um, where other people will say, no, that's my coach. That's my you know, friend, that's my mother, that's, that's whatever, right? Mm -hmm. And it's very externalized. And it's like, ah, okay, then that there's some trauma there, right? Because mm -hmm. it's still coming up now, even though I'm a grown up and, and the relationships that I have with people with myself are different, that I'm, I'm still brought right back to that time and space, right? So that's usually the easiest way to identify it. I think there's this misconception that, um, and, and we've been led to believe when we have things that are really traumatic, we have these memories, right? These kind of soul crushing, physical, you know, reliving of the experience. And that's not always the case for people, especially with micro trauma, right? Or that we have this, this idea of repressed memory. It was so bad, we don't think about it. And Although both of those things are true for some people and they're true with some types of trauma, that's not always true for everyone, mm -hmm. right? And so I think we don't log it as trauma because we're, we're conditioned to believe that, you know, it's this over overwhelming, like movie-like experience, mm -hmm. right? Where you're watching a horror movie unfold. And, and again, true for some people, not necessarily true with micro trauma or, or with other things where people will say often, like, I don't think I had any trauma. And as we start talking about it and picking back this, this negative self-talk or negative behaviors, like, um, you know, a lot of people with, again, with, with maladaptive eating disordered behaviors, right, or broad spectrum eating disorders, people will come in and they'll say, well, I do this thing. And a lot of times I'll say, well, what happens if you don't do it? Mm -hmm. Like, oh, well, you know, I'll, you know, gain or lose X number, or, oh, all like whatever. And mm -hmm. my response is, is the sky going to fall? Because if the sky is going to fall, we need to do something about it right now. Mm -hmm. yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and when, and, and it's ridiculous for a reason. And when, when people are like, oh no, like, of course not. Of course the sky, it's like, ah, okay. There's something okay. going on about that. Right. It's re it's so deep and it's so painful. Yeah right that the reaction is this i feel like the sky is falling because it's so big mm -hmm. right? yeah so starting to challenge those beliefs mm -hmm. you know yeah and yeah i think sometimes too when you're going through the trauma it's like or or just going through life you can't see things for what it's worth and you almost need that outsider's perspective to be like Oh yeah. It's not life or death all the time because I, you know, I, I, I can definitely attest, you know, people I've worked with and myself, it's like when you're in the thick of thought processes like that and those subconscious stories that you tell yourself, yeah. it literally feels like this is how it's always going to be. So I think having that outsider's perspective is 
absolutely crucial for resetting your perspective for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Have you noticed, um, is there any uh, differences um, between individuals who with eating disorders who maybe engage in more like bulimia, binge eating disorder behaviors versus more of like the anorexia restrictive behaviors and in what traumas they've experienced? Yeah, that that's that's a really good question. It seems mm-hmm. to me, just again in my my experience personally and professionally. Um, so just just you know, with my little sliver, right? Yeah, um, yep. it seems that people who uh, have an anorexia tend to be more. There, there's a level of achievement that goes mm-hmm. with that um, and perfectionism. Mm-hmm. that that's with that and high high performance and that isn't to say somebody who has bulimia doesn't have those things um mm-hmm. there's a there's a personality type and so it comes it, it comes more with um there's a lot of external expectation to be a certain way and then there's mm-hmm. a lot of internal expectation right or self-expectation that matches it so there's mm-hmm. never a break right yeah. it's it's, I'm getting all of this message or, you know, I can talk about my own life, right? I'm getting all this messages from my coaches. Um, Mm -hmm. You need to to look this way. You need to act this way. You need to be this way. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm five, two and a half. It was really hard for me to, to be the body type that they wanted me to be. And I, Mm -hmm. you know, so it was all about, I'm failing every time I open my mouth and put something in, I'm failing. Cause I, mm-hmm. I'm not going to be, I'm not going to ever, my, my genetics are such, right. I'm never going to be what they want me to be. Um, and that was really internally driven too, right? So there was this matching of external and internal, and then the failure and the shame and guilt and all of the stuff that came with that. Um, the way that my bulimia showed up was really different, right? And it was non-traditional, um, binging and purging and um and i don't want to be triggering for any listeners so it was just not it was non-traditional and Mm -hmm. what i noticed was that was definitely more relational driven and i find that's with my clients too where um the the binging in the moment makes me feel better i get all of the biochemical hits Mm -hmm. um which is different than the way I get biochemical hits from restricting, right? When I'm restricting, I get, I get that the endorphins that go with I'm in control, right? Mm-hmm. And, and with the, the binging, the endorphins I get is that instant biochemistry hit of, I feel good, right? Mm-hmm. I'm getting the satisfaction and, and that positive reward. And then there's the instant guilt and shame after, right? Mm-hmm. And so it tends to be more punishing, right and with my work with people where i have an argument i have an argument with my friend then i have an issue um, where i have a a binge purge you know response to that right it feels more relational Mm -hmm. um, and people have different types of shame Mm -hmm. about that and there's usually more there around um willpower and um oh well if you only you know Mm -hmm. it's so easy right and so when i first got into this and i I was studying my dissertation was broad spectrum eating disorders trauma and addictions i was really looking at the addiction science of how do you work with 
with eating disorders, right? Um, we know so much more now. I mean, that was a long time ago. And, and now there's this relational component with trauma that I really see mm -hmm. with people that are struggling with over, you know, overeating or that binge purging or the, the emotional eating, right? Um, that feels like it's a response to negative, you know, ne negative relational interactions, if that makes sense. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And th yeah, thank you for sharing that because I think it's so important. I think sometimes they all get lumped together and I would imagine probably the treatments are maybe a little bit different for each, depending on what someone's nature of their eating disorder is. So I think it's so important to like have that awareness of what's contributing specifically to the behavior. So I thank you for sharing that. Cause I, I think it's so, it is just so important to understand that for sure. If, if someone was going through that and, you know, has an eating disorder and has experienced, you know, experienced trauma, whether they're aware of it or not, what are some of the first steps they should take in, into getting themselves into a better place or, or, or seeking out treatment? Yeah, I, there, there's there's a lot of different multimodality approaches, right? I'm a, I'm a whole person. So, you know, it's like I want my clients and, and the people I work with to do stuff on the mental health side, do stuff on the physical health side, do stuff on on that balance and mindfulness grounding, you know, self-development cultivation, right? Spiritual side. Mm -hmm. um, and so my my response is always, and to my new clients too that, that I talk to, it's like, look, it doesn't matter who I am and what I've done. Mm -hmm. If we don't jive and, and you don't like me very much or I have the wrong person, it doesn't matter who I am, it's not going to work. And so interview your providers, find somebody that you're like, I like this person, they get me, I feel comfortable, not good, because I think that's the misconception yeah. is like, oh, therapy is fun. It is not fun. It is not fun yeah. at all. It sucks. And so yeah. like, like not good, but like, do they do I feel like I can connect with this person? Are yeah. they checking in with me? Hey, how's this working for you? How do you feel our relationship, the progress is is going and do that with people, your providers, right? Because there's so many really great people out there and it I think that that's the hardest place to start. It's so scary to be vulnerable and willing to just say, hey, I'm really struggling here. It's so hard to do that. If it were easy, we'd all be in therapy, we, right? Yeah. We'd all be we'd all be doing PT. We'd all be like that's if right. it were easy, right? So, so it's not e it's not easy. Simple concept, yeah. but it, it's mm -hmm. not easy. So, yeah, you know, not being shy about saying, you know what? Joe, you, you know, I, I really like you. You're really nice. I don't think you're the right person for me. Great. Let's find you somebody great. Let's sit down, open up the computer, and we're going to find you somebody that you think is going to be amazing for you. Yeah. Right. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, that is like such an important part because you have to have somebody who you advocate who can advocate for you and, and build trust with, because I mean, the therapeutic process is all about trust. And I've had so many people that I've worked with, uh, you know, in the chronic pain aspect of it, where they've gone to providers and it's almost like they're getting the door shut on them, or they feel like they're getting gaslighted by them, or they feel like, you know, like they're not being heard. And it almost just compounds the trauma that, that they've experienced. And when that happens, over and over again, they lose faith in their ability to even heal. So it's, 
it's so important. I think like that is like such a crucial point that like you have to find somebody you fit with and, and not just think, you know, one size fits all because it's not that at all. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I love the, the fact that you use the term gaslighting because yeah. we don't look at that as micro trauma, but it really is. Mm -hmm. And the more we go, people who have chronic pain, right? And chron mm -hmm. who, who have chronic illness, chronic pain, have yeah. the experience of being told, oh, it's in your head. Oh, well, if you just do this. Oh, well, if you, right? Um, yeah. Over and over and over. Mm -hmm. That gaslighting causes trauma and that trauma mm -hmm. solidifies the pain response yeah right and then they're in this vicious loop and then the eating disorder stuff comes in right because that's the coping yeah. mechanism and mm -hmm. then they're they're in it without even without even realizing it right mm -hmm. oh 100 i mean it, it you know just compounds you know the eating disorder gets worse because the pain is worse and so it's easier just to cope with more eating disorder behaviors and then your nervous system continues to just get hype, you know, heightened along with that. It is, it really is just a vicious cycle. And when you have the, you know, external supports that you rely on to help you along that process, when you feel like they're turning their back on you, it, it, it makes everything worse. And, you, and when you lose hope in the fact that you can heal and get better, I think that's really when healing gets halted, because if you don't think you can get better, then you probably won't get better. Yeah, yeah, it's such such an important point brought up there. That's absolutely. Are, um, as far as um, uh, like uh, kind of bringing it on to like a, another point with like exercise dependence. So that's a, a big aspect <laughs> of eating disorders and something I went through personally, and I know a lot of people do um, mm -hmm. have that. I where do you see that kind of um, as far as like trauma, like uh, that those behaviors do you do you see like traumatic a, a different kind of trauma past that contributes to maybe some of the exercise dependence and and how does that play a role in perpetuating trauma it's a it's such a great question and I you know I think it's it's newer it's one of those things that with like orthorexia like all of these different things now bring newer manifestations I, and I'll, I'll self-disclose I in March broke my foot and my ankle so I broke my foot in two places and my ankle in two places. It doesn't matter. It was, uh, I, I, I fell running anyway. Oh my gosh. Um, and didn't realize, I mean, and I say this, doing this for a living, being a retired athlete, and then being in the world of psychology for 15 years, right? Didn't yeah. realize how much my exercise played into my mental, my mental health Mm -hmm. and the maladaptive eating stuff mm -hmm. that I'm like, oh, I'm not in it right now. So everything is fine. And it's, mm -hmm. and I, like I said, I do this for a living and have this realization yeah. how much it impacted me. And then I started PT about four weeks ago um, mm -hmm. and found somebody that, that I really trust and I, and I really like. And my first thing was, okay, don't, don't let me get away with any kind of BS, right? Yes. Like just call, yep. call me out on my stuff. And here's mm -hmm. all of the things that are going on. Um, and I don't feel gaslit. I feel like I can go in and, and, and he's very good at containing that spinning out that I feel. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, ah, this is super reminiscent of when I was in the eating disorders, right? And, and, but in a different way, right? Because now I'm not training for anything. 
I'm just, I'm trying to heal and, and get, get back. Right. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, wow, there's that dependence on the exercise there that I wasn't tracking as an issue. Right. Mm -hmm. Be because it didn't seem like it was maladaptive. I wasn't doing sort of the classic symptoms around, you know, workouts and, and multiple work, right. The, the things that we think about with that. And I'm like, ah, here it is. Like it's so ingrained in who we are. Yeah. And, and I think with the exercise piece, it's all about that internal and external, like our internal worldview and our external experience do not match, right? And and it's just a way for us to get rid of it, get rid of it, get rid of it, and then that endorphin high, right? Mm -hmm. And so we don't cope. Oh, yeah. We just, we, yeah. we really are not sitting in our bodies. We're, we're mm -hmm. having sort of this out of body, in a sense, experience, and we're not coping because we're, we're working out, we're doing something, quote, healthy, yes. right? <laughs> And, yep. and and so it's been a really interesting process for me over the last few months of like, oh, here's some of the stuff I thought I had taken care of. And no, no, it's coming up again. And and the difference now for me versus then, and this is years of great therapy and, and having great support after having terrible support for years and years, right? Like what what's finally coming up is, Ah, okay. My outlook is different. Instead of what I used to feel like is, well, I just need to do more of it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I just I'm I'm failing at doing, you know, yeah. my exercise induced whatever, you know. So instead mm -hmm. of looking at it from this really maladaptive or negative lens, right? I'm now looking at it and I'm like, okay, and so what? Not and so what, who cares? But the post-traumatic yeah. growth piece of so what does that mean for me now? Okay, what it means for me now is can I get the same emotional and mental wellness from exercise? And it's going to look different now than it did before I broke my foot, right? And it's gonna look different than when I was an athlete. Mm -hmm. And so can I get the same relief? Can I get the same enjoyment knowing that there's no way I'm gonna perform at my age in my life now that I did 20 years ago, right? Mm -hmm. And and so that's the challenge is getting to this place of, I don't ever want to experience it again. I'm not 100% sure that's even real, right? Yeah. More about, ah, oh, I recognize, like there's there it is. There's that negative yep. thing again, okay. So what? So what does this mean for me? Not so what? Who cares? And and what am I going to do about it? And tomorrow I get to try it again. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. And like it is so true. I like for anyone who's gone through any disorder, or no matter where you are on the spectrum, like it is one of those things. Like, and I've experienced that too because I was very much like exercise addicted for years and. And, and I had, I do like you, it does come up every once in a while. You're like, yeah, you do have to like check it and be like, okay, where are we at? And then like, okay, like three miles is good enough. Like celebrate it, you know, don't like come down to yourself that you could have done more, you know? And it's like, it is true. Like every stage of your life warrants kind of, you know, where you are. And, and, and I feel like, you know, I can say definitely for myself too, I'm a hundred percent different now than I was back then. And, and you can see things much more clearer now once you you're not in the thick of it. And I, I can say for myself too, it's like, you know, my relationship with exercise has changed. It's still, 
it's something I value and I find joy from rather than feeling like I'm never good enough. I just have to keep on going. So yeah, hundred percent. But yeah, to say that those thoughts are hundred percent gone, I think is <laughs> unrealistic because it, when you've had that ingrained in you for so long, it, it does sneak up, but you're much easier at checking it and, and, and not allowing it to take over your 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 life and your joy and everything so yeah it's so important but yeah I think especially exercise it's such a slippery slope because it is so widely known for being health you know beneficial and uh you know people praise the more you do the better if you are and you know it, it almost like perpetuates that so it is important to recognize like where you are in that spectrum and like are you using it for healthy joyful aspects versus some of the, uh, you know, dependency relationship aspects of it. Yeah, absolutely. And, and then also, you know, really just, just, I think being really mindful of, of what we're telling ourselves, mm -hmm. right. And, and the messages that we're getting also what we tell clients, like you said, you know, oh, well, just exercise, you'll feel better. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times with my clients, I'm coming in and, and I'll, you know, I ask, you know, what does your sleep routine look like? What is your eating routine? What is your exercise? What's your relationships? Like, I want to know it all. And it's really interesting to me that people like, oh, well, I walk, but I don't get any exercise. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. does, how come walking doesn't get, so really yeah. challenging that of, I want you to move your body. And if that mm -hmm. means that you're going to vacuum, the house today that is cool with me like yeah. <laughs> like like how do we reframe this idea of exercise because we look at exercise as good bad right we look at food as good bad we have these paradigms that don't work mm -hmm. they just they don't work mm -hmm. and so you know and then what constitutes is well if it's not you know this hard intensive right check all the blocks whatever fat it is type mm -hmm. exercise then i'm not really well i'm not working out then it's like well yeah according to whom like who is saying yeah. this so when you right. start challenging that in yourself and you're like who is telling me that and it's like mm -hmm. well everything i read yeah ah, okay mm -hmm. well let's unsubscribe to all of the fitness and the beauty and the, let, yeah. let's start that right so some of it is like what can people do it's it's noticing what's driving the feelings of being a insecure right and the feelings of pressure i'm getting pressure from this and then i always ask does that make me feel heavy or does it make me feel light because that's yeah. not about size and weight that's about yeah. emotionally am i feeling heavy or am i feeling light and things that make me heavy i don't want to do anymore they're toxic mm -hmm. right yeah no one oh, do them. absolutely yeah and i think it's like it's so important just to make like simplify it like that like do you actually enjoy it? Because, and like, I think that's a, that was like one aspect like that I've learned. It's like, why am I doing what I'm doing? You know, is it for like the pressure of like, you should be doing this or you want to do this. And I think sometimes we lose that aspect of being aware of that in our life. Like, are we actually doing this for joy? Or are we doing it because we think it's something we have to do? And, and to differentiate that, like the, the heavy and light it's, it is, it's it like, I like how simple you make that sound because it, it really is just so important to recognize that, like, what is it doing for your spirit, <laughs> you know? So absolutely. 
Um, any any other uh, uh, things you'd like to contribute as far as like trauma and, and eating disorders? Anything we didn't touch on today? Oh my gosh, I think we could we could keep so talking much. about that. I know we like we could keep for the rest of the day. I know. Um, <laughs> you know, I think it's I think really people that are listening that are are maybe not sure if they have trauma or not. It it's you know if journaling feels comfortable, right? Um, and there's some really great ones out there that are are targeted and give you journaling prompts. Um, other people, it's just, you know, I, I recommend if you're going to put it on your computer, password protected, if you're going to write it in a notebook, make sure it's secure, right? Um, but every time those negative thoughts, writing them down and really like, really challenging the belief, like, is that true? Right? It feels true. And like we said, super simple concepts, but they're so, they're so difficult. They're so difficult. So it's like, it feels true. It absolutely feels true. Is it though? Mm -hmm. And so just starting, starting there. And if that feels too, too much, too triggering, too intense, right? Taking a step back. And like, I always joke and say, it's the death of shoulda, woulda, coulda. Mm -hmm. Think if you can just catch yourself when you're doing that, right? Oh, I shoulda, I coulda, I would like, okay, but mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Not and, cause anytime we say, and we, we validate that statement. And so when we say, but we negate it. So it's like, oh, well, I should do this, but well, do you believe it then? Right? So it's like, you know, I should, I should be doing this and means that you believe that. And so a lot of times we catch ourselves and well, I should do this, you know, and I'm going to do this other thing instead of I should do this, you know, but mm -hmm. I don't know where that's, I don't know who's putting that pressure on me. Right. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know why, why should I? So really starting to have that conversation with yourself, right? Like, well, who said, you know, oh, well, it's something that my, you know, my dad always told me I had to do, or my coach always said it, or my professor, or, and you're like, okay, but at, at, at your life right now, does that matter anymore? So really kind yeah. of getting in your own head and starting to see if you can play around with some of those beliefs right? That mm -hmm. tends to be easier and less triggering for people, right? When we ask people to make behavioral changes instantly, it's too scary. It's too hard. And the failure rate is so high. Then it's like, well, I failed at it once. I'm never going to do it again. Mm -hmm. Right? So, yeah. so, so slowing down, right? Really giving yourself time, time to heal and slow way down. It's taken years and years and years to develop the behaviors that you may not like, right, or not working for you, it's going to take some time to unwind those. Yeah, absolutely. And just hitting that pause button, I think is so important, because you're a lot of times, it's like you get into those thoughts, and then you just carry with it. And you do take it as like, full truths. Like, <laughs> I think just like analyzing where, like, where are these rules coming from? And, and all those like subconscious beliefs that we developed throughout our life from all like our role models and people that we, you know, took as they know everything. And then, and then you take that and you hold it as like your truth. It's it, when you kind of take a step back and look at that, it is so powerful to realize like why you're doing what you're doing and why you're thinking what you're thinking. Like, I, I love that idea of just giving yourself a little bit of grace and a little bit of space to yes. have that moment where you can get a little clarity and, and not feel like you're pressured to be something that you don't necessarily 
feel like is authentic. Yeah. So yeah, absolutely. For, for our listeners that, um, on this podcast, where can they find you? Where, uh, what platforms are you on and where can they find you if they want to connect with you? So we've got all, all the, all the socials uh-huh. <laughs> and I know you'll drop, you'll drop down and info yeah. the show notes, how to spell my name, because it is, yep. it's my name, um, Joel mm-hmm. Raymond Um, and we do a lot of stuff with skills. So like our Instagram, um, if people want to take a look at that, there's lots and lots of skills and acronyms and like things to screenshot and, and I always say print stuff out. And, and so we do a lot with, um, like managing this stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, And I, you know, I'm always happy to answer emails. People can reach out to me or DM me. We um, Mm -hmm. just let us know that, that uh, you heard me on your show and we always have a free gift, a little journal that we, that we'd be happy to share with your listeners too. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Perfect. And like, and I will put everything in the show notes for for anyone who wants to connect with Joelle, I'll have everything there. So you can definitely do that. Um, any other parting words or any other like final thoughts? Oh my gosh. They, I think they, thanks again for having me and asking, you know, I think I love the grace and space piece, right. That you said, um, Mm -hmm. I think my, my final thoughts are, you know, it's, it's really working on perspective and, and looking at that. And so what that post-traumatic growth, the growth piece of, all right even if i failed at it today even if i went back into what's comfortable even though i've decided that that's not behaviors i want anymore or aren't healthy for me i can try again tomorrow Mm -hmm. right i I can try again tomorrow i get another opportunity to make different not better different choices and and working on the judgment because i think that's what gets us Mm -hmm. you know oh yeah absolutely a hundred percent and and definitely the judgment is such a big part of that. And I also like how you said perspective, because for me, like, and I think a lot of people like perspective is something you can say, oh yeah, I can change that. Like we can't change our past. We can't change things that happen around us or external environment, but like perspective, that's something we can always change. So it's so empowering when, when you think about all you have to do is change my perspective on it and the story changes. And, and I think that's amazing. And, and it's okay to have setbacks. It's Mm -hmm. okay. It's absolutely okay to have setbacks. And, and, you know, again, there's this opportunity to try it differently. And Mm -hmm. so finding, finding some comfort in, or not being ready, wanting to, and, and working towards changing and not being ready to quite change yet is still progress. Mm -hmm. All of these things count. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. Those small little steps, as long as you're moving forward, hundred percent. Well, thank you so much, Joel. I think, I feel like we could talk for hours on this because there's just so much to talk about. Maybe we'll have to do a future episode and do another one, but thank That's you so good. much. I feel like you're, you're a wealth of knowledge and especially with the trauma piece. I it's, I think it's so important to talk about this because it's such a huge part of everyone's life to some extent, but especially those who are going through eating disorders. So I really appreciate your insight and your perspective on that. Thank, so thank you. you. My pleasure. Thank you again. Oh yeah. And thank you again. Thank you so much for being on here today. I really appreciate it. It was great. Yeah. Let's do it again. So thanks for having me. Yes, definitely.
Thank you for listening to another episode of Rewiring Health. To get updates on new episodes on this channel, please subscribe. And to support the channel, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please write a review and rate it.